bridge. <clears throat> and Captain on the bridge. You will probably find this inspection boring for the likes of you two. Boring? Well, we won't be blowing things up. Taking or engaging in fire, crash landing expectedly or unexpectedly. Those were the days. Strange New Takes. I'm your host, Notch Garnick, and with me this week to recap Star Trek Picard the series are Adam Bowen, Emily Bowen Marlar, and Rudy Baker. Welcome to Strange New Takes. Today we'll be sharing a recap of Picard, all of season three. Picard season three, the actually good season. <laughs> poor Picard, poor Picard. Follow us on social media. That's at Strange New Takes on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Uh, tell your friends about the podcast and give us a five-star rating of, on podcasts. It's the only acceptable rating to give anything, uh, basically, anywhere. Unless you're uh, re- recapping an episode, in which case you give it a 10 instead of a 5. But, you know. If you can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all. There you go. <laughs> Ooh. And I see we have a last minute change in our sequence of who's talking about what. I think I'm up for spoiler warnings. So, um, yeah, um, be warned if you have not seen uh, Picard season three or the entire series, maybe you should go watch that. It will take some time. It will be um, it will be a long process. But if you are a TNG fan, I recommend watching it in general and then come and listen to our podcast. All right. Well, we're here to talk about Star Trek Picard season three, and we'll talk a little bit about season one and two as well. So Star Trek Picard was created by Akiva Goldsman, Michael Shabon, Kristen Baer, Alex Kurtzman, and it has had several showrunners, including Terry Metalis. It was in production between 2019 and 2022. It ran between 23rd of January 2020. Haha, <laughs> remember 2020? And it... <laughs> 20th of April, 2023. It had three seasons. It had 30 episodes. Uh, and it spanned star dates, or I shouldn't say star dates, but future dates of 2399 to 2402. All right. Well, we always start with our strange new takes. So who's got a strange new take for me? Uh, let's see. My strange new take for life uh, is... You know what? I I think uh, it's worth investing in a good chocolate bar. Uh, I uh, it, during my childhood. I mean, also when you're a kid, you you don't have like money to your name necessarily, and so you you kind of go for just like the the cheap stuff. But uh, yeah, if you haven't, go go buy like a an eight dollar bar of chocolate. Uh, you shouldn't eat the entire thing all in one go. Uh, but it's just it's. It's nice to just have really high quality chocolate. It's much better than the weird waxy kind of bitter tasting stuff that uh or just like overly sugared stuff that's in uh Hershey's or whatever. Uh so yeah. Any recommendations, Adam? Like anything particular that sticks out? Uh so in uh uh St. Louis, Missouri and regions around St. Louis, Missouri, there's uh Askinosi chocolate is pretty great. 
uh, and that I think they even get up to ten and a half dollars. That's that's a little that's a little too rich for my blood at the moment. I've I've been going for uh, some other ones, but what uh, is it based in Springfield, Askinosi? I think so. Yeah, that's what I thought. Uh, yeah, uh, and then there's there's also um, uh, uh, weirdly the uh, I'm trying to remember the name of the company. Uh, it it reads it, the you will you'll understand what I'm talking about. Like if you've seen this in stores, there's there's a brand of soap that just looks like crazy ramblings and rantings as like their package design. Uh, it's like all one, all whatever, and we are all here on this spaceship Earth type thing. I think it's like a, it, I don't know, semi-religious group or something, but it's just <laughs> like the, there. It is a um, uh, wild branding. They mm-hmm. they usually make soap. They also make chocolate, and it's uh, decent for some reason, which doesn't make any sense. But uh, we always joke about um, uh, that we are we're like San Me in. Uh, uh, Dang, what's the name of that book? Like well, chocolate. Uh, at Cloud Atlas. There we go. Uh, oh. Where she she eats soap, and so we we, <laughs> we talk about how we're eating soap. Um, yeah. So I don't think they are controlling my mind, though. So uh, for the the season uh, or the series, my strange new take is. Uh, I think that season the worst thing that ever happened to season three were seasons one and two. Uh, <laughs> and I think really you could just make a couple of tweaks. Uh, you you would just have to take, change a few lines. So they'd like, don't make references to Picard being uh positronic. And then if you also just took out the whole, like they had his body thing and instead just said like, Oh, we just, like stole records from the transporters the last time that Picard used transporters, the season could have been identical uh, and it would have been fine and actually better, especially in the finale. So that's my take. All right. I think that's not as hot a take as I would have maybe thought. Um, Let's... Uh, I'll I'll do I'll be a little more esoteric and go for for something completely unexpected. My strange new take. Uh, it's kind of wild that back between like the mid eighteen hundreds and the early nineteen hundreds, there were just a bunch of like roving European people in Egypt being like tripping over rocks and being like, "I have found another grave of a pharaoh from three thousand years ago," and like there was just this civilization under the sand that nobody had. Well. It's not true that nobody had, like, looked into it, but it was just completely ignored. Nobody bothered. And so, like, guys like Belzoni, this, like, random Italian dude, was just like, I have found the greatest temple of Ramses II. And, you know, it's also kind of wild that today we don't, like, acknowledge any of, like, the massive droves of, like, droves of, like, Egyptian workers who were helping Belzoni because it was, like, Belzoni and his people. His people would be like, Belzoni, we found another tomb. And then Belzoni would come and be like, I have found another tomb. <laughs> and anyway, it's just kind of weird. It'd be like, you know, if if we were in America and, like, just stumbling upon, like, like all of these just massive stone structures every five minutes, you know, that nobody had, like, thought about for thousands of years. And it just doesn't happen like that, right? Like sometimes in like in America or like places in like England, you find like a mound of earth and somebody's like, clearly someone 10,000 years ago made about this pile of earth and it's fascinating. And the rest of the world is like, eh, it's, it's a pile of dirt, buddy. Um, 
They have some of this in like South America still, where they're still stumbling yeah. on some Mayan and Inca and other native Indian sites in like the, the jungles. But still, it's just kind of weird that again, for a hundred years, people were just like tripping on things and stumbling on like long lost tombs and really cool stuff uh, that nobody knew was there. You know, it's 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 a little, it's almost sci-fi when you think about it. It's like, Picard you know, Picard. would like that. Huh? Picard would like that. Yeah, yeah. It's like you go to this planet and like, you know, isn't there that TNG episode where they find that ship from like 6,000 years ago and mm. uh, they're they're able to like use it. Anyway, that's my strange new take. Um, for Picard, I'll keep it short and sweet, which is today I would like to make sense of the three seasons of this show together. Okay. Well, my strange new take for life would be, I don't know what my strange new take for life would be. I'm tired of illnesses in our house. <laughs> so I think we've, we've cleared another one. We've had 13 now. And a 13 in the kid who, I mean, I'm not counting all the illnesses we've had because we've just had copies of his, but, um, let's see. Um, I don't know. It's nice outside today. So we went and did things outside, went to a park with other people who okay. had a little picnic for people who are, you know, care about making sure that kids who are LGBTQ feel safe in our schools which is, you know, a hard thing to accomplish in Springfield, Missouri. But there's a bunch of us that are committed mm -hmm. to it. So anyway, a group of us just went and had a picnic today. So that was nice. And it was super cold and it, well, super cold. I use that term loosely. It was cold and dreary and kind of like cloudy all morning. And we're like, this is not going to be a good day for a picnic. And then the sun came out and it was glorious. So that was very nice. Um, so the moral of my, my new take is that it's nice to go out and like do social things from time to time. Cause I don't very often, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> uh, my strange new take for the show. I still, someday I'm going to find time to listen to all music from Star Trek because I am convinced that is from something, Adam, Adam and I have been trying to figure out what this theme from Star Trek Picard is from. And he says, maybe it's just really good. <laughs> And, and it's like actually just for Picard, but I swear to God, I have heard it before and it is driving me crazy. But um, I started to wonder if it could have been Star Trek Generations and they do have a they, quote of yeah, something from Generations um, in the last... I don't think it's Generations No, it's though. not. It's the, and, it, what we're talking about is the do, 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 Anyway, it's... It's amazing. Yeah, it's really good. I think it's just that it's good. Yeah, it's just... And I think it's it just has a lot of the characteristics of the good Star Trek music. So I think that could be why I feel like it's familiar. But I know Adam thought it felt familiar too. Um, cause he, I, you asked me about it in the first or second episode, I think yeah, of yeah. the card. So we both have noticed this theme and we're like, where is it from? But, um, I feel like I could, um, join you in that endeavor notch about figuring out how the seasons fit together. And I feel like I touched on some of that stuff last episode, mm -hmm. um, and, and I feel like there were things that happened in this season of Picard that somewhat redeemed or um, shed light upon things that happened in the previous two seasons. So I I would not be so quick to toss away the first two seasons of Picard, even though I'm, I'm not going to like watch them over and over again. But I was looking at my scores from I think I liked it more than you all did. 
Um, but that's the case for everything Star Trek. <laughs> I, I score things higher. I like Discovery more than you all do. I have things I, I mean, obviously, Strange New Worlds has been like just phenomenal. I really have enjoyed yeah. that. You know, I think that's better than some of the others. But um, but yeah, anyway. Well, um, I just like to say, Emily, that we, uh, I, we definitely appreciate your positivity. Imagine <laughs> these podcasts without you. Um, so, um, on that note, um, I, I'll, I'll do two quick, uh, general takes and a very small one on the, on the season in the series. Um, general takes were, um, I get the sense that I was missed over some podcasts, maybe the last one, I'm not sure. Um, I have an explanation, uh, and an interesting one. Um, it was, it was, uh, my birthday last weekend and I was thrown out of a plane. Um, <gasps> And you nice. survived. <laughs> and I survived. Well, that's not, that's actually not the take. The, the interesting part is it was meant to be a surprise and then it wasn't. And then it, <laughs> it became surprise. a surprise and then it still remained a surprise. How does that happen? Uh, so first my wife planned it and then she wanted to keep it a complete surprise until the day off. But then she was like, this guy's going to freak out and like, um, you know, he needs to prep, prep. She felt that me prepping for it would be slightly more better than me having too much time to think about it. So she gave me like a couple, like a week's notice. Um, and then the day off, we realized that she had booked it on the wrong day and it was one day off. So then we weren't, and, and we couldn't, we couldn't move it because we had other stuff planned for the next day. It was supposed to be on a Saturday and, and we had booked it for a Sunday by mistake. Um, so then we just went to the place and winged it and they happened to squeeze us into the schedule. Uh, so I ended up jumping and literally like until 10 minutes before I got into the plane, I didn't know if I was jumping or not. <laughs> so surprise, oh no surprise, but surprise. Um, <laughs> the, the other part I wanted to, the other general take I wanted to call out, it's actually something that came to mind uh, since you mentioned Notch uh, about uh, people helping other people discover stuff and not getting the limelight for it. Um, uh, it, it took me to mountain climbing and uh, Sherpas in general, uh, the Nepalese who help uh, who helped climbers oh, yeah. uh, get to peaks and not got the same number of uh, got the same level of uh, limelight over the last few decades. You know, ever since uh, Everest was uh, uh, summited, there's an amazing show. Maybe a lot of you have seen it on Netflix called Fourteen Peaks, where there's this guy, there's this Nepalese guy who. Uh, there's 14 peaks on this planet that are above 8,000 meters. Um, it's really hard to climb them, Everest being close to 8,500. Um, and people take like a year or two to plan for doing each of these, right? And one gentleman, his name is Nirmal Purja. He's a Gorkha, um, uh, an elite part of the British uh, and our Indian army or Nep Nepalese army. He did all 14 in seven months. So Oof. that's something you guys should totally watch if you're if you're into mountain climbing. And he he like, yeah, it's crazy stuff. I won't I won't get into it anymore. But uh, a lot of respect. In terms of this season and this series, um, I remember how excited I was when Picard first came out. In terms of like, you know, hey, there's going to be a series on Jean Luc Picard. Mm -hmm. um, and I guess it, in my mind also, it's had its ups and downs. But watching that final episode and it closing out, I'm going to miss them. Like, mm. I grew up with this show. Mm. I still want to believe that there's some way we can see some, if not all of them together somewhere again on screen, but I'm going to miss them. This is, no matter how the series went, that last episode, 
um, that last scene is going to stick in my mind. Yeah, it was great. All right. You, you Yes, I think that is a great, it's a great cap on our strange new takes. In fact, do we even need to record anymore now? I think Rudy just gave us the perfect conclusion on season three. Uh, but no, we, we will get, get into it. So uh, firstly, Adam and Rudy, you guys didn't have a chance to talk about the last episode. And since you just brought it up, Rudy, I think it's a good time just to take a couple of minutes here and have the two of you tell us a little bit more about your feelings in the last one. Emily and I shared ours in the previous episode of this podcast. So um, no specific structure, but Tell me the bits mm-hmm. you liked. Was there anything that you criticized? Did it hit all the marks for you? I, uh, well, I, I, I mean, one thing that I, I'm, I'm curious to hear from from Rudy. Uh, I think we made a prediction of like that. Uh, if we just had enough of the Enterprise D in that episode, that it would kind of forgive all sins from the from the rest of the season. Did you feel like that? Because it certainly had most of the episode showing shots of the D at some point. So I had I had uh, Natch call me up last weekend to wish me a happy birthday, and I was like, "Hey, I'm sorry, I can get on the podcast. I haven't listened to it yet." He was like, "So give me like a give me like a five second view, like take TLDR on that last episode." And this is exactly what I said. I'm I'm paraphrasing, but there was enough of Enterprise D for me to like feel good about everything, all this whole <laughs> the whole episode, the whole season, the whole series, um, and and to add to that, um, Doctor Crusher. Uh, you know, becoming oh, the yeah. best pilot in the history of Star Trek, beating Tom Paris and whoever uh, by far. That was awesome. That was a good touch. Yeah, I, uh, I, I think maybe like overall on the episode, it was like maybe like an eight or something like that for me. But I, I think that the thing that I was most impressed ab- about was that it was like they stuck the landing and I feel like they like consistently haven't been able to do that. Uh, And so it's, it's one of those things where um, just that it was like a solidly good episode, but not necessarily like the best one ever uh, felt great to me. And I I think the other thing is like it, it was absolutely in that, like, like do no harm aspect of things of like, you need it to end on the poker scene in order for it to like, close out the next generation like that's the way you ended it with with tng i don't mind that you do it again and that was like the perfect way to kind of leave things there so i uh i I think kind of like for me like there may be some aspects of it that were like a little bit like messy or it like it it felt kind of and this is something that I've, i've criticized uh uh discovery for doing a lot uh, there was there was a whole bunch of like goodbye speeches that everyone was doing, and like every single time someone gave one, I'm like, that's guaranteeing that you're not gonna die because you're trying to make oh. me think that you're gonna die and that you're giving the speech because it's gonna happen. I'm like, but you're gonna do a switcheroo on me, aren't you? Um, you which saw I think, through it. Yeah, I, 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 and I, I think that it it does get into something that I do agree with. Like on reflection, is. Uh, I I think it's easy to think that um, like in order for it to like really have the stakes that it needs to have or like the emotional payoff or like truly closing people's stories out that like we need to kill them. But we did that to Data twice. And uh, the first time. And to Picard. Yeah. Yeah. And and we with Picard's was the worst. And it was one of those things where it's. um, uh it felt like we didn't spend any time being sad that he literally died. And now we just have a copy of him. 
uh and it's like the, it, it, I, I think of if, if like all the things that feel like disrespectful about this series, it's the one where like the actual man died and no one cared except for like maybe three or four minutes. <laughs> but isn't that every single person in Star Trek, thanks to the transporter? Yes, they've been desensitized because they just kill each other uh, every episode. <laughs> I, I was so sure that they were going to kill someone. I had I had worked myself up to the extent where I was like, I kind of I kind of wondered if they would have a poker scene at the end. It was one of the many things that went through my mind in terms of how this would close. And I was like, they'd they'd have they'd have a hand or a, or a couple of hands uh, for people who were not there who could not make it right, mm. uh, who, who had who, who had passed away. But yeah, I. I I couldn't see through any of it. Every time they were like saying their goodbyes, I was like, yep, you're gone. Oh no, you're gone. Oh no, you're gone. And and when are you uh, gone? Everyone's you're not gone. Yeah. <laughs> you're all here. I I guess like at the beginning, I knew I, I didn't get like data was not going to die. Mm. <laughs> right. So, which is maybe why they, they're like, no, you're staying on the bridge. We have had enough of you dying. <laughs> no more copies of you are going to get killed and then resurrect. Or like, there's no going to like, no copies are going to be resurrected after we kill you. Like that's too many times that we've done it. Uh, it was a mistake every other time. And so I, I think maybe they just kind of extrapolated and, and were thinking like, you know what? It was a mistake with data it would probably be a mistake to kind of really shut the door on anybody else. Um, Cause like, who knows, maybe, maybe someone gets to have a cool, like Spock, like cameo when they reboot the franchise again, uh, when they're uh, super old too. And like, uh, why, why make that impossible or have to uh, Spock, uh, like the equivalent of Spock saying like, sorry, everyone, I know that I'm old and that I died, but there was a transporter accident and that's why I'm in this movie. Um, and uh, this way we can just be like, Oh, Riker is allowed to be here. Cause it's just, he's just an old dude. He's, he's making bad pizza somewhere. <laughs> I, I, I do, I do want to say that I, I do agree with Emily and maybe this is worth me bringing it up to like a nine or something. Uh, there were several emotional scenes, especially that, that scene with, um, with uh Picard and with uh Jack and also with uh with um Riker uh calling out that he's like he'll be with uh he'll be Your waiting boy. for her with with his son it's just like I'm choking up just thinking yeah, about these scenes it hits me every single time so I I, I I cried on the podcast I don't know if y'all could tell but I was yeah, getting choked up on the is, podcast <laughs> I, I'm so impressed that they were able to like give us those emotional beats uh, and have them just like really hit and that like that that is really hard to do uh both from like the the acting and and the but it, like everything has to come together for like that to really be something that happens and so i was just a uh i was really impressed and i and i think that it, they were especially impactful because they it happens every time or like we t even talk about it and feel chills or whatever it's like a a george kirk type type of moment of mm, like you so you like feel it every single time I just want to say one thing because we're talking about that scene. I was listening to another podcast uh, last week. What? And I, I always I always listen to them after we've recorded our podcast, so they don't influence me. But um, one of the people on the podcast was talking about he found that scene between Picard and Jack to be... See, a lot of people were kind of dismissing that scene because they're like, oh, they just saved everything with the power of love, blah, 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 which I have... 
a rebuttal to that, but I will give that later because I'm sure we can talk about that. But I have a rebuttal to that, all that talk. Um, but what they pointed out was they, they said, you know, I don't want to get too much into my personal life. But, um, you know, there are, he's like, as someone, you know, people can sometimes have fraught relationships with their children and their children go and make really terrible decisions. And it leads to some really awful things that can happen. And you can't help but wonder, is that, was that me? Like, was there something that I gave them or something I did Mm -hmm. that made them make this decision and go down this path? And he found that scene to really speak to that because that was something that Picard was really struggling with was like, did I do this? Like, like, you know, he made that comment to Beverly about, he got the best of you and the worst of me. Yes. And, um, and so that being a kind of healing scene with that perspective. And I was like, Oh, I I super appreciated that. So I just wanted to toss that out. Yeah. And I, I think that like the most important part of that scene was, it it didn't turn into him just like forcing Jack in, into anything. It was just, he, he like met him and he accepted it mm-hmm. and was willing to just kind of sit there with him. And like that, that, that was it. And it like, uh, so I, I mean, I, I'm glad that we had the, then Jack realizes and he can sort of pull everybody out and, mm-hmm. and then it all mm-hmm. tur- turned out so they can all play poker at the end. But it's just like, <laughs> I like, uh, sometimes I, I've felt like when we, we go to the, all the way to that emotional, moment and then we sort of like pull back at the last moment and we like don't kill everybody that it's like it cheapens things i really don't feel like that uh with that scene let's come back to this question of killing people a little bit later when we talk about picard across the three seasons (laughs) but uh at this point let's switch over to talking about season three as a whole now We've there's a ton of stuff I think in this season that we can we can touch on. For let's start with the characters that we saw that were introduced. So we had a few new characters. We had uh, Captain Shaw, we had Vadic, mm. and the Borg Queen, technically a returning character, but I think that this Borg Queen is a new character. Um, we had the bridge crew from the Titan, including Sydney. Sorry, I didn't use the names for all the rest, but this was a very Discovery style bridge crew where. There were all these shots focusing on them, but we learned very little about any of them. So, um, would love to would love to hear your thoughts about the new characters that we got in season three. Were they compelling to you? Um, are you gonna miss them? Do you want any of them to return? Mm-hmm. I, 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 I think I'm, I'm so impressed with the quality of the characters that we got. Uh, partly because it it just felt like. Um, and and Rudy t- touched on this recently, where sort of talking about the the difficulty of like introducing new characters and like the value of of finding someone who is good and therefore w- like wanting to kind of keep them around, like uh, being sad that we're that we got rid of Shaw when Shaw's such a compelling character, but um, I just I feel like they weren't able to do it in in season one. Uh, and, and, and honestly, season two, it's just, there were, there were several times where we would introduce a new character and it it, it was like, I mean, maybe it was sort of the weight of like, I mean, I I don't want to see you. I want Beverly Crusher to be here. I I want Jordy to be in this scene. Why, why do we have you here instead? Or, or like, uh, you know, who's a badass who can kill anyone that they want? Worf, why is he not here? (laughs) Um, and I, so maybe some of it is that like we don't feel like we're missing out on somebody else by because we have this other person in the room, but I like I'm struggling to think of a character 
I, I think maybe the Borg Queen is the one that I'm the most disappointed in, uh, in terms of like the the feeling like attached or a payoff or, or anything or feel like they stand up to everything else. Like Vatic was incredible. I think that uh, Jack Crusher has like turned out to be a great character. Sydney Sydney LaForge has several great scenes uh, and like Shaw like steals the show in uh, absolutely every moment that he gets. And uh, yes, we do have the uh, discovery problem of who are <laughs> who's anybody else. Uh, but at, at the very least, we, we didn't like I respected that we didn't do the let's get really deep into that person's backstory so it can be sad that we're going to kill them off this episode. No, we did the let's get um, kind of deep into that backstory so we kill the person standing next to them. Yeah, yes, exactly. Like yeah. And, and we did at least learn Tavine's name the earliest of anyone else because uh, we learned Tavine's name in uh uh, no, I think it's no win scenario. I don't think we learned it in 17 seconds, but uh, it's possible because uh, there are a lot of. Um, I think of they do say things. it in 17 yeah, they, seconds. Yeah, they yeah. probably do. <clears throat> uh, but yeah, so it's it sort of. Yeah, I, I guess we we know from the 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 actor said that uh, she was a Delton uh, and a Vulcan, which is interesting. Mm. We didn't do anything with that. Mm. Um, but. Uh, which is, I, I think, is also kind of why it makes sense for Troy to be the person uh, helping Jack discover his uh, hidden door thing instead of um, uh, Tavine, because Tavine like probably is a telepath that could even communicate without touching you if she is Delton. Let's talk about Jack Crusher for a minute, Rudy. You had told us a few episodes ago that Jack Crusher wasn't quite doing it for you. I'm kind of wondering if that is still the case. If you're curious, now he's ship's counselor or whatever, or counselor to the captain. Special counsel to the captain. Um, yeah, I could. I think they could have done. They could have done. I think the actor is good. The the delivery of the scenes were good. The character, I feel. I mean, the the show revolves so much around. Picard, which is why we were all drawn to it in the first place. And, um, you know, we wanted a, a positive portrayal of a Picard 2.0 kind of thing, right? But I think the character for me still felt weak to the extent where I think it pulled a little bit on Beverly Crusher as well. Like, I, I, I felt good that she got so much limelight here and hadn't before. Um, yeah, it didn't quite stick it for me. Um, like, it was just, it felt like somebody with dormant superpowers that then used them, then, you know, got swayed, uh, went to the dark side, and then was recovered uh, by empathy and emotional conversation. So it, it felt like the character itself was just kind of, on on puppet strings but that that's just me mm. um I, I would say outside of the extras um right or the bridge crew that was or was not named that was probably the weakest across the lot but then everybody else have, are, are established star trek characters right except for people like shaw i would say i think i think they did a good job of making shaw compelling enough that we were all upset when he died although I think they maybe overdid it so much that now I'm wishing he's not dead. <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. It's it's kind of that balance that they have to strike. And I, yeah. 
I, it made me respect a little bit about how difficult TV writing has to be. I did enjoy Sydney LaForge's character. Um, usually I'm not a great, like, oh, I'm the relation of someone you love uh, from a previous show. <laughs> uh, that's, that's a tired trope. And, you know, it's it's not something that I truly enjoy. But I think Sydney was a... There was some compelling aspects of Jordy's character that were brought out by Sydney by by showing Sydney as mm-hmm. so like different from her dad, um, and I think she's set up as a compelling enough character for the for the sequel basically. Uh, if if we do get to follow the Enterprise G in that, yeah i I think the 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 only thing that felt a little weird to me is, and I guess maybe I understand that like Jordy sticks in our mind as the chief engineer of the enterprise. And so therefore like we think of her being a pilot as being antithetical to that. But Jordy was literally the pilot of the enterprise D uh, for the beginning. And he was not. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like that. I, I like kind of didn't understand all those scenes. There was like, I'm so different from you, dad, just because I wasn't disrespecting you just because I went a different path. Like you went down. The same path. <laughs> no, we just don't talk about season one too much, you know. Didn't happen. It didn't happen. <laughs> it, it didn't happen in TNG, and it didn't happen in Picard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Did, did we? Did we know? Did we talk about um, uh, Shaw or the actor Todd Stashwick um, being in Star Trek Enterprise in one of the episodes? I, I knew he was. I don't think we mentioned it, but we haven't talked yeah, about it. Yeah, I don't know that we've talked about it here. He was an undercover. Undercover Romulan, right? Romulan, right? Yeah, <laughs> in in the high command, and I don't remember that. Specific I want to go scene. see those episodes because uh, if he if he's this incredible, like, uh, like was it apparent uh, like back then too? I I just no, I'm just looking at the pictures right now, and I'll share them. He does, you can barely see the resemblance. It was a long time ago. Uh, maybe if I stick it out here, will you all be able to see? Oh my gosh! Yeah, <laughs> this is great podcasting. <laughs> Yeah, great, yeah. great podcasting <laughs> looking at a picture. Uh, yeah, it's, I, I think, but to your point, Rudy, I think they got some good actors in to play each of the characters. I think the character design was mm-hmm. good and they were able to match it up to characters who, or to actors who could deliver. Um, mm-hmm. And one point, I think about the character design, I'm still a little confused about Vatic. Vatic was just a little too shallow. Not way too but like i think they could have done some yeah. slightly more stuff with her she was a little too mustache twirly for me um and it was those moments when she was scared of whoever she was com- co- communicating with or the board queen and this might be again one of those things where if we had 12 episodes or 15 episodes we just get a little mm-hmm. bit more complexity in the character but um it was a little too dick dastardly in the way that they showed her showed her and then she was you know ten thousand little pieces <laughs> by the time that they were done Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. and it just would have been nice to have seen. I I would have liked to have seen, um, not necessarily the forging of that partnership, but like like what was it that she? Why was she so fearful of the board queen? Like mm-hmm. like what was it that was instilling that fear in her that we saw this completely different side of her than we ever saw in her um, in her interactions with uh, the Titan? And so anyway, I I feel like that's. It never got explicitly answered. Yeah. Um, and so it just felt, and she was kind of unceremoniously, you know, air, um, 
you know, space. what do you call airlocked air, whatever space, yeah. space, space. Thank you. I couldn't remember the word from this other series that we've seen, <laughs> but um, yeah. So, um, okay. Yeah. I think, I think the changelings as a whole um, were, were, you know, not done. They were not done well in this, like the changelings are such a huge um, antagonist species in Trek, right? Like, mm-hmm. On a lighter note, I hope uh, you know they're frustrated enough with this representation to come back in a future series and 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 really um, uh, show, because it is such a powerful plot, right? Replacing and yeah. and duplicating people, yeah. No matter what, no matter that uh, Beverly Crusher now has technology to. Yeah, like tur- well. turning it into a red herring uh, felt like a disservice to uh, the like the potential strength of of like that storyline and also those characters. And I, I I agree with you, Emily. I think like I I I feel like maybe it could have been recovered if she like was the big bad of the season and like truly was the one that was orchestrating things. But but I I think like you said, maybe it probably would have been interesting to see like an earlier Vatic where she has broken out of Daystrom station and is maybe just kind of like agent of chaos because she just like wants to lash out and do as much damage as she can and seeing how it is that the Borg queen like enthralled and like brought her fully under her control. Uh, And I think that would have helped me connect a little bit more with the Borg queen because like as it is right now, it's kind of like discovery season two's red angel thing where it's like, actually this was just misdirection the entire time. And the only reason we had the changelings is so that no one would guess that the Borg were involved until they had the reveal at the end. And like that, I don't know. It, 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 it sucks that that is sort of um, what we were using Amanda Plummer for. Let's so I was, I was actually going to talk about scenery and, and this ship design and sets, but I think maybe all of you will agree with me that this was a beautiful show. It was all well done. Great job. A plus. Um, so let's move mm-hmm. on to talk about the plot and and of this season and the themes that came through because I think that's where we're headed. Um, I I think to the corollary what you were just saying though, Adam, like they truly kept us guessing the whole time. None of us could have predicted at the beginning where we were going to go at the end, and it, and I say that in mm-hmm. a good way. Yeah. Um, I think there are some questions like you were saying about maybe whether the Borg should have been involved at all, whether we needed them there, but. Truly, when we're thinking about Captain Picard, um, his greatest antagonist has been the Borg. They literally took him over. So in some ways, having him reckon with them one last time, it's kind of like having the Borg Queen in Endgame of Voyager, right? Like, it's the same. Mm-hmm. It has to oh, be yeah, there. It has to happen. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. But I think you guys are right in that it would have been good to have one season of the Changelings. And, and I thought that was a very compelling plot of like, the conspiracy element of it all uh, and and having a little bit more time for that to breathe, to see the implications of that in Starfleet. Like, and this is where maybe budget was an issue where we couldn't visit Starfleet Command and see all the like replaced officers. And we only, mm-hmm. you know, that scene with Tuvok had to stand in for that. Uh, so, so we didn't, we didn't get as much depth maybe in the first half of the season as we wanted. Um, but you know what I would appreciate? Say, Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to jump on changelings. Is this okay? I well, something I would appreciate getting out of a changing changeling storyline. Um, so, in my personal life, 
and my beliefs as far as the world goes. I'm a nonviolent person. And I, you know, think that finding, seeking nonviolent solutions is the way to go. Now, when I watch television, I do say, oh my gosh, that person has to die. Like they just need to, <laughs> they just need to kill that person. There is no redemption here. Like they can't, there's no way to fix this. That person just needs to die. I'm talking about fictional characters, by the way. Um, I found it deeply troubling that the only way that Starfleet has to deal with changelings is to murder them. And I, I yeah. would, I think it would be interesting to see a way to deal with a changeling storyline where there could potentially be some sort of, if not nonviolent, but some alternative to disintegrating them um, as a way to defeat them, you know, like, cause that, yeah. I mean, really that I, I, and I don't know, they didn't show what they did with that last changeling um, in the last episode of season three, yeah, they just um, like murder him right in the middle of right, the room. Yeah. I mean, at least they didn't do that. So maybe the they, <laughs> maybe they didn't murder that one, but, um, but yeah, I just, I was noticing that as I'm, um, you know, I've only seen the first three episodes again, as I've been doing a season rewatch, but you know, Beverly shot both of the changelings to kill them. Worf shot the changeling that, that he and mm. Rafi encountered to kill the changeling. Um, Anyway, so I just I, I I think that would be a compelling um, story to see what can I mean if Starfleet is supposed to be Starfleet and the Federation are supposed to be this ideal that we achieve or that we strive yeah. for they're not showing that in their treatment with the changelings that's that's showing a big black eye on the Federation and on Starfleet and and how can we um, how can we be better or imagine better or, and, and I think that's a limit of human imagination. You yeah. know, we lack an imagination. We have a hard time um, seeking out things other than obliteration, you know, sometimes, but. It's, well, it's, and I think we, we touched on that in the episode Dominion where like uh, we, she reveals like her, her backstory and Picard has to deal with like, like it's clear that Picard thought, or he believed the, like the official history of like that, uh, Starfleet developed a cure for this disease and then delivered the cure to them. Like he did, he does not, he did not watch that episode of deep space nine. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's, I, I, I think that there, there was a, yeah, a compelling story to be told of like, how do we change what's going on here? And like it, there, there was probably a, a more compelling way to deal with, with Vatic of, like, hey, Vatic is kind of right about some of this stuff that we're that we're dealing with. And like like that would have been a classic like TNG twist on things is to have right. like Picard help expose the conspiracy. Or right. Whatever. But no, Picard and, yeah. and Beverly decide, oh, you know what? She's beyond hope. We're just going to have to kill her. Like that yeah. was what they decided when they, you know, they're like, are we ready? We're going to lower the full force field. We're going <laughs> to yeah. kill her. You know, that was their decision. It was not. Oh, my gosh, we need to have compassion yeah. for this person because of what they have experienced. And I think like in some, in some cases, like things get out of hand where you go beyond a point of return, right? Mm -hmm. Where salvaging the individual person. And it's very, it's very crass of me to say, right. Salvaging the individual person, right. We all value individuality. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's, it's hard to do that. They had, they could have closed out that like, reconciliation aspect at the end of the uh, at the end of the season right and that's what star trek's all about whether it's um you know through tng and and you know showing the lighter side of romulans and romulus right 
through Deep Space Nine, showing the difficulties of being a Cardassian through, um, you know, Garrick and all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, through Voyager, showing the side of uh, the side of the Borg that we didn't see, right, in terms of assimilation and you know, you know, Matrix Zero and all of that. Reconciliation is so important. It's it's one of the most valuable human traits we have in the real world, right? You can't just obliterate and and dominate because that just gives rise to more um, uh, animosity in future generations, right? Uh, it's we're skipping that. We're we're skipping that because I don't I don't know why. Maybe it's a plot line that was not important enough. But you need to get back to that. You need to get back to changelings were wronged and this is how we try to reconcile we go back to the great lake we try and um right the wrongs that we've made as starfleet so so i think there's a general sense that we didn't get as much closure with some of our enemies as we wanted in the season so but what about what about the themes for picard himself i mean the show's named after the guy so <laughs> you would think the season was meant to show us and something deep about the man. And I think this season did maybe more than the other two. Let's not stay away from the other two for a minute here. But this really connected us with both the ramifications of his reputation as this kind of swashbuckling, mm-hmm. world-saving dude, but also the other side that we've seen so little of throughout the rest of this this show or even the other, um, and especially the TNG movies and TNG itself, where the ramifications of his career on his life. Um, we got a little bit of that in Generations where he's sitting with the the album where his entire family's been killed and he's he tells Deanna that he basically has nobody anymore. He doesn't, and how sad he is that Robert, his, his little nephew, won't see any of his life, this future anymore. And we got that in this season where he has to grapple with having a family and having to decide whether he wants to let this son that he never knew existed into his shell. And it's... Oh, sorry. I don't... Do you want to go, Adam, and I'll go after you? Just my my small point of disagreement, actually. I I think that 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 is the one through line that this entire series has done really well. I th- I think se- season one helped helped us grapple with like he feels like he's useless now that he's not in Starfleet anymore. Season two had him d- diving into like he he neglected all of his relationships and friendships because of what he was doing uh, it throughout his career. So I, I I think that we we do get a lot of that uh, throughout the series. Uh, that was just my point. So we can go over to Emily. Um. Well. So um. The this is why I think we needed the first two seasons. So how much more poignant is that scene in 17 seconds between Beverly and mm. Picard when he is yelling at her for using his confidence in her about what happened with his father and what a terrible father he had. He's yeah. like, how dare you use that against me and use that to decide that I couldn't be part of our son's life. You know, like essentially, you know, like, and I don't think that's why she didn't want him to be a part of, she was grasping at straws because mm-hmm. she knew it wasn't the right decision, but she was doing what she thought was best to keep her son safe. And so she was just grasping at straws as to, you know, and she picked the wrong one because that was really hurtful for him to say it. And yeah. we have a fuller appreciation for what that means because of what happened in season two. Um, and the fact that, and how sad it is to think that, 
he, you know, for 20 years of his life, he never got the opportunity to realize that he wasn't his father and that he wouldn't be like his father. Mm -hmm. And he, cause he never had the mm -hmm. chance to discover that. Now he discovered that on his own the previous year, you know, just through the journey that Q took him on. Um, but also that, and that's what I talked about this in the episode last week, but I feel like that was, um, the way that touched on season one and it made, it made season one made this scene between Jack and, uh, Picard in the continuum or whatever. Um, not the continuum in the collective. Um, I got Q and the Borg confused <laughs> right there for a second, but, um, it, is that we knew that Picard just wanted to die. We knew that he didn't know what his purpose was once yeah. he wasn't a part of Starfleet. Now he left Starfleet for very principled reasons mm -hmm. um, and very TNG esque reasons. Right. Yes. Um, so, uh, so there was still that through line carrying over the Picard that we knew. I know Patrick Stewart wanted him to be so different, right. From, yeah, from yeah. the TNG iteration, but, but there was still a thread that came through the person that Picard was, um, but I think that the common theme throughout all three seasons was really looking at the man and, and his awkwardness with, yes. with, um, relationships, like, he, like just not knowing how to people very well. Um, and, and finally being able to do that and, and having, it was nice to see genuine friendship between Riker and Picard in, yeah. um, actually in 17 seconds is one of the ones I was yeah. thinking of, like just how excited he was for Riker to have a son and, and experience that. And, um, and I, and that seemed different from Picard that we knew in TNG, you know, like I, yeah, absolutely. I, yeah. But, but they started teasing at that in generations. Um, when he's in the Nexus, you know, like there clearly, even though he pretends like he doesn't want to have, uh, like family is not what matters mm -hmm. to him. Fa his family is Starfleet. That's all the family you ever need. Right. From the episode of what yeah, it, the fourth yeah. episode of, um, of season three, but in no -win the, scenario. right. In the Nexus, clearly that's, t that's touching that's on something. Fantasy. Right. So he does have that and he does want that, even though he's buried that because for him, probably family means something really broken and dysfunctional and abusive. Yeah. And so he has this desire for something perfect and beautiful and, you know, these wonderful Christmas traditions and everything, which were not his experience yeah, growing absolutely. up. Absolutely. But it doesn't mean that he doesn't want it. Um, anyway. So. Yeah. Which, which I, I mean, I'll, I'll touch it too. Like, yeah, I, I, there were episodes that I did not like out of seasons one, one and two, but like that, it, it is incredible that looking over the entire series of Picard, that there's so many moments that I can look back in TNG and the movies that I appreciate in a very different way now. Uh, and I, I think that's incredible. Rudy. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I was just going to say, and this is, a, this is a sign of getting old when you, when you keep, when one keeps going back and saying they did it so much better in the, the good old days, right? That's what I'm <laughs> say now. Um, it How old did you turn, Rudy? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's just another decade. It was a rounding number. Right? A round oh, number. welcome another to the club. <laughs> another 10 years. Um, all I was going to say I'm is... I'm not the only one. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Well, he, he was, he's saying he's turned 20. Oh, or 30. Yeah, yeah let's, just, let's just put a multiple of 20 in there. Uh, <laughs> it just took... It took generations, uh, the movie Generations, less than an hour to give us 
an emotional side of Picard with the loss of family and the Nexus scene, mm-hmm. right? And and that, and that came like before before that the Picard we knew um, was a little more strict, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and and infallible. It took them less than an hour to build something so sensitive and relatable, and it took Picard as the series three seasons to kind of stitch that together. Um, I don't know if we were more gullible and younger then. Um, I I really liked that part of Generations. It was so powerful. The part where he's like so happy, and he's looking at that that Christmas ornament. Right, I remember it, and it's glowing, and it like mm-hmm. reminds him of the Amagosa star or whatever. Right. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I'm. I feel I'm biased. I feel I'm biased, but um, for me, Picard. Going back to your original uh, point, Nash. For me, Picard. Uh, has been somebody who's always been infallible, right? Except for mm-hmm. the generations piece, which is believable, and a, and a man who does not like to keep, um, uh, you know, falling back, right? The, the the most the most famous line I'll remember ever is, "The line must be drawn here," mm-hmm. right? Like I use it everywhere, um, <laughs> and so that's the Picard I know, and and then this season touches upon a much more humane side. I, I see why we need more time to get in touch with that, right? The, being, the world being so crazy as it is. But it's also interesting that Generations was able to solve it in, in an hour. It's a movie. It's different. But yeah, just a perspective. Hmm. So fun it- fact, I just have to tell you, I can't remember which. Yes, it is. Okay. Um, the the actor who plays the changeling that, um, that uh, Rafi and Worf encounter... Oh yeah, played one of Picard's children in the Nexus. <laughs> oh, wild! That's yeah. pretty cool. Anyway, so I just thought I'd throw that since we were talking yeah. about that scene specifically, and now when you go back and see that scene, you will totally see and know which kid it is because he oh, looks the wow. same. But yeah, and, no, he's one of the also, kids, and and also his nephew plays one of the sons too. I, I feel like the actor who played his nephew Renee is in. Mm. No, no, they picked a different actor to play Renee. Yeah, he played did. Picard in Rascals. He played the younger Picard. Oh, in Rascals. So, anyway, sorry. Just, just one other thing that I want to make. I think it's well said so far on Picard. I think getting to the rest of the cast in terms of plot, I really like the way that they're able to bring the others, or at least some of the others, into Picard's story. So we have Riker's loss being something that reflects that Picard can see as a reflection. We get to see Data's experiences of, or not Data's, uh, Jordy's experience as a father as well, kind of play into Picard's view. Mm-hmm. We get to see the loss of Data be something that drives Picard to do things differently. He it, it basically uses the rest of his crew as reflections of uh, of decisions that he should make. And mm-hmm. I thought that that was a compelling way to tie them all together with him as the Nexus. Which I think was a really, really powerful aspect of season three for me. Um, one other thing is I think they were able to produce a surprisingly deep emotional narrative in a season full of action. Where we didn't have to stop and have characters crying at each other. To, to It always felt like the, the pacing was... I think there were pacing changes, but it never felt like there was an abrupt change in pacing which took pulled us right out of the action, gave us something we didn't want, and then threw us back in, which is something that's difficult to pull off. I mean, I'll, I'll admit maybe there were a moment or two like that, depending on our perceptions of it. But on the whole, I think this this felt like a very cohesive 
piece that combined action and emotional content, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Or at least that's my take. Rudy, you look skeptical. No, it just it just sounded right, whatever you said. So <laughs> agreement in silence. Um, okay. Uh, so so let's 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 move on because we've kind of done what I'm about to move on to a little bit as well. So like bringing Picard, like these were three very different seasons of this show and bringing it all together. I think I think Adam and Emily all have made a compelling argument for why at least emotionally they made sense i also want to remind people that i've ordered most of season two as like being in the eight nines and tens of ratings so i actually enjoyed season two mm-hmm. except for maybe two episodes right at the end yeah mm-hmm. or right before the ultimate episode but to me this is a show that really still suffers very much from kind of this very like thematically sure it there's a through line there but I think in terms of execution, it just jumps all over the place. And I don't, I think the way that I'm, I, I think I'll put it is that in the first season, they went for this really art show, esoteric exploration of Picard, the character. In season two, they realized they went a little too far and tried to bring it a little bit more grounded with mm-hmm. kind of this almost voyage home style narrative. But I think, again, they just, they didn't quite hit it. And in season three, then they were like, okay, actually, let's just do TNG season eight and <laughs> and 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 bring it all together. So there's a little bit of what the final Star Wars sequel was trying to do to the first two Star Wars sequels, except the execution here was about 400 times better in actually retconning the rest of what has happened. Yeah, that's that's a that's a really good parallel to to draw because they they both had kind of the same role uh, that they were trying to play. <laughs> of, uh, never mind about all that. Let's just bring let's bring it back. <laughs> it's always good to get one up on Star Wars, huh? <laughs> Easy to do. <laughs> so I mean, but through this lens, then what do we think of season one and two? Like. Are they like TNG season one and two or just like, yeah, they're out there. Eh, If you really want to, you can go back there. But like, it's not really necessary. You know what is unfortunate about seasons one and two is that they introduced some characters and they basically were, they fridged a whole bunch of them. Like, because the whole point was for them to just grow Picard's character and help us get to know Picard a little better. Um, And it didn't matter the characters ended up not mattering so much. I mean, we yeah. we get rid of, um, well, there was Dodge and then there was Soji. We get rid of Soji after the first season. Um, I mean, what, she's in an episode in the second season, but Corey is not Soji, right? So it's not, yeah, you can't yeah. say that you have the same character. Um, we get rid of Rios, who was a great character. I really liked Rios. Um, and you don't have anything going on with him. So that was... Um, uh, really disappointing, and they did some really interesting. You just things fridged with, Elnor yeah. here. Yeah, no, I'm <laughs> saying, and, but and the thing that's interesting is they. So Picard does have that fatherly kind of relationship to some extent with Elnor, like, um, you know, he kind of you feel like that's kind of how he sees Elnor like a son, and they they don't have him do much, and uh, uh, Gerardi, um. You know, I mean, they turn her into a Borg. But anyway, it's just, <laughs> I don't know. Not before they turn her into a murderer. Right, right. So, um, 
so that was that was an unfortunate aspect about the first two seasons. Yeah. Is that you bring on these characters that you get us to care about and really took only half of them and carried them through into season two and then get got rid of half of those at, by the end of yeah. season two. You know, I, I, th- I think like the, those characters suffered the most from like the writers remembering what they were supposed to do. Like like if Elnor was supposed to be like like a son to Picard, why does Picard not even like it doesn't seem like Picard is sad about him getting killed. Rafi uh, like, 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 yeah, is. Ra- Rafi is the one who's who's and tied I, to him. Frankly, I didn't get it. I couldn't remember that she meant that much to Rafi. So when Rafi yeah. was so distraught by it that it was affecting her so much through the whole. I was like, what did I miss something? Like, was this something that happened in the intermediary between season one and season two? Or, and yeah. I mean, granted, I didn't rewatch any of the episodes of season one of Picard. So I, I, maybe I, I, mean, I, I, I think it's but... like that she's supposed to be like, is it his commanding officer on the Excelsior or something like, like, like she has maybe seen him while he's in school right. or something like that. But it's not like that. something that was it's established like, we for don't us. Care about that. <laughs> and it's like Picard didn't care, you know, yeah, anyway. Yeah. So it's just really, yeah. And this is where I think the esotericism comes in. Whereas in season three, we get like Picard's son. Like this is his son. That is why it is paternal. Mm-hmm. In season one, they yeah. were like, there is this Romulan and Picard feels guilty about, what happened to Romulus so he's going to kind of see this guy as a son maybe and there was just a lot of stuff that we as the viewer which is funny coming from me who's always like trust the viewer like bring the viewer like, <laughs> like no, you don't need to say the possible one <laughs> yeah that, that's so so it's it's a little bit kind of wish i'm undermining some of my past arguments here <laughs> but at the same time i think they went for a little bit more uh what is it uh, uh high high concept in in what they were doing especially in season one i think season two Mm -hmm. they dumbed it down a little bit Mm -hmm. but again in season two there i think another element of of this and i think it's really in season two that it becomes an issue is they had a little bit of michael burnham syndrome where they were like and she's related to spock and it's like here's another (laughs) soong here's this person who looks just like laris and so there was just a lot of stuff like that that came in that it just wasn't necessary in my opinion it just was a few elements that could have been easily avoided if they just done things slightly differently that were mm-hmm. that pulled me out of the immersion which in season 3 there was very little of that even though the plot was like even more cliched of like long lost son <laughs> is here uh and and here's the borg <laughs> in in many ways it's like it's more cliche more expected but they managed to kind of do it in a way that was a little bit less uh, abrasive. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I think to... something that's interesting is like, I, I think I was along with the uh, like Patrick Stewart or whatever in that first season being like, we shouldn't do TNG season eight. That's not what we want. Like that, that would suck uh, if we just tried to recapture everything. <laughs> just weird to feel opposite now. Yeah. And I think the the hard part is if there's one person in all our track, I think, Maybe maybe there's one more. I think Janeway can do it more than Cisco. But if there's one person to build an entire show around, it has to be Picard. So that's the first mm-hmm. one that comes to mind. So that's what they started out with, right? And and then they were like, let's tell the audience more about this person who has come across as infallible across eight, whatever, seven seasons, you know, 20 years ago. Um, and then they kind of came to the realization that the, the man and the and the... 
the aura around him is more because of the people that were around him and that he commanded. And they kind of get to that realization towards the end. And I guess they couldn't have done that unless they went through these seasons. I don't know if they do that in a writer's room and like just run more reps and really like pressure test the scripts. Um, but yeah, like, I don't know if they try this again with like a Janeway or somebody, right? And I think she will have more. One of the things I feel in Picard, like it's, I just said a few minutes ago that I'm getting old. One of, one of the things I felt went against Patrick Stewart was he's too old, right? So he came across as old and we felt protective about him. And so if, if there was like a, you know, a Kate Mulgrew kind of person, I think it would be much more like impactful and assertive. She has a lot more energy. I don't know the age difference. Obviously, there's, there, there is one there, but um, it was kind of... It's over 10 years age yeah, difference, like maybe 15. It's, it was supportific with, uh, with Picard, I feel. I think this is another thing I think they did exceedingly well in season three versus season one and two where they showed how the age influenced the character mm. um mm. rather more than a superficial level and they acknowledged it as like especially when you saw this with where i current wharf um where it's not like we're we're going on one more adventure and it's like he's got the same abilities it's different now and, and yeah. you have to acknowledge that it's different um and so i think they did a little bit a smoother job of that in season three Let's let's move on to one more question, which is, so now that we've had three seasons of Picard, it's over. Let's talk about what we expected and what we got and whether the story is actually done for y'all. Like, is this, have we told the story we needed to? Did you get what you wanted now at the end of season three out of a show that brought back Patrick Stewart and the rest of the TNG cast? Is, is there a closure? I didn't know what closure would be when I started. Yeah. I was just very excited about what more do you... Like Picard is such a sticky and um, uh, addictive topic for anybody in Trek, especially the TNG files. I, I am one of them. Mm -hmm. uh, so I didn't know what to expect. And so in terms of closure, I think the closure was good with Enterprise D and poker and the, the cast getting back together. I never really expected that to happen. So check mark there. Um, I would love for... The sh some of the characters to continue and I don't really want to stack rank them but I would love for focus on Riker as a person going forward a show maybe around him or something like that um, he's he's again got a lot of energy in his mm -hmm. acting and his expressions um, so yeah that's my take I'm a, a majority man myself but uh, the let's see I, I think that if, if I'm trying to think of like closure or like, I, I, I think really this is, this is, I, I could not get more out of this than what I got. Uh, like maybe the tweaks would be like, I, I wished that they had developed uh, Beverly and, and Picard's relationship into like something more because they kept hinting at it during TNG and then never did anything with it. And like explicitly tried to like, get rid of it during the movies and um so like maybe i would tweak that but i i think that um for however much i do want to see some continued storylines i'd love to see enterprise g i i want more of seven of nine in terms of like the tng cast and picard as a character if this is the end 
this is perfect. And like, I, I, I don't, uh, like, I, I think I can accept this being like the last time that we see them. In fact, I'm going to go further than you and say, this should be the last time. Let's not, let's not screw it up. And, and I'm okay with like one-offs, but I'm like, like, you know, we got Scotty and TNG, right? Mm -hmm. Um, like that kind of thing is okay, but let's not, let's not mess with magic. Mm-hmm. Um, by bringing them all back for one last ride, uh, they go find Shinzon's body and then make him a golem or something. Like we don't need that. Um, but yeah, I think like, like a, a a one-off cameo of of Jordy in command of something, admonishing somebody like he did in Voyager and and stuff like like that stuff's fine. Let's let, let me let me ask this, and I'm gonna put something out there, as and this might be a little bit controversial, but. I think 30 episodes of TNG season, or not TNG, Picard season three would have been powerful. Like we take exactly this plot. In the first episode, Picard finds out that that Beverly had a son. And we have one season of the Changelings. We have one season of, probably of Q actually, something similar to season two, where we have Picard Mm -hmm. grapple with Q. And then we have one season of the Borg. And let's bring the same characters that are net new, at least most of them, I think, or have a smattering of them each season, which then resolves some of our issues that we had about some of them being disposed of. Because I think they did, like we've been saying, that they they had good functions. You know, with Rafi, there was some a show of how you're not you're never lost. Starfleet always finds a place for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think her interactions with Worf are very powerful. Seven of Nine, tremendous performance on the screen with um rios great kind of han solo-ish character you know gerardi uh elnor were there as well no i'm just kidding they they were they 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 were compelling characters in their own right i think there are ways to do this in a way that kind of has what season three gave us across three seasons and i think that would have been i think that that was i think now looking back i think that's what my expectation should have been. But I, I really didn't know what to expect from a Star Trek Picard show. I was like, I have no idea what's going to happen here. Mm-hmm. Um, I just knew at the end of season one, I was like, what was that? I don't, I still don't really understand <laughs> what, what, what we got. Well, every, every show in the future that's on one particular character, I don't know if it'll happen again, for Star Trek will be compared to this one, right? It's not going to be a benchmark. Yeah. Um, I would honestly wouldn't mind a Janeway just goes and has tea with all of the Voyager crew one episode at a time. (laughs) (laughs) And we get flashbacks. You mean coffee. Yeah, right? (laughs) She has to have tea now uh, because of her doctor. Yes. (laughs) Are your cats misbehaving, Notch? (laughs) One of them was meticulously dropping everything from my work desk onto the floor. Oh. I was like, either cats are doing something or someone is breaking into your house. I didn't know which it was. Yeah, my my chicken cannot get up to that same mischief uh, just in her carrier over here. And I guess she also can't walk. There was a point earlier, I think, when I was was laughing where she got alarmed and started started giving me a warning call. I don't know if that was audible. (laughs) Um, So what's what's left for us to discuss about Star Trek Picard? You know, I think I will say that um, another thing that people are complaining about, and I just say, when I say people, I just mean, you know, 
the internet or whatever. The great link. Yes. Um, <laughs> people are complaining about, we touched on this a little bit, but complaining about the Borg that, you know, we had the Borg every single season, but mm. that I think that is because um, best of both worlds happened in the early nineties. Was it early nineties? Was it late eighties, early nineties? I can't remember when. Uh, anyway. Early nineties, I think. Yeah. Um, when we didn't deal with trauma, <laughs> like we just had trauma happen and then you wake up the next morning and nothing happened. Yeah, <laughs> there was yeah. no impact on your life. And, and now we're talking so much more about trauma. And so it made sense that the Borg would, if you're going to do a series about Jean-Luc Picard, you have to have the Borg be a part of it. Yes. Um, and I feel like um, in some ways the Borg were almost, this is going to sound weird, but it almost felt like a smaller part of um, season two than it was of season one or season three. Because while, um, I mean, the Borg were the, you know, they had Gerardi Borg at the beginning and at the end, but it just, the story wasn't about the Borg. The Borg was just a device to get them to be able to travel through time, right? Like to get back to the yeah. time they needed to go to. Uh, or the Borg Queen was just a device for that. Um but season one kind of had him confronting like, you know, what does it mean when the Borg aren't actually really functional anymore? And, and, and what do you do with, you know, so mm -hmm. I feel like it, it, it made sense to um, touch on those things when you're doing a series about Picard. And then um, I also want to touch on my rebuttal to people who are annoyed about the power of love saving the day and that that is um <laughs> is that you not <laughs> um okay. not in this season but not in this season but in other times yeah no and i totally get it but then i also have to say um now granted some people may have a different understanding of the christian story i'm just speaking as a person who is a minister in the christian tradition uh isn't that the whole point of the story of the resurrection like like that's what we, I mean, it's like the power of love cannot be defeated, right? You know, like, mm. like death, death does not have the last word, right? And so it's, um, so the fact that people poo poo it all the time, it's like, but then you go to church and you talk about it or whatever, but, and I am not someone who like pulls all these religious things and says, you have to believe this. That's not, that's not the direction I'm going in. But what I'm saying is there is something beautiful about us telling the story over and over and over again, that when things seem the bleakest mm -hmm. and, and it seems like there is not hope, there is something that can pull us out of that. And when, and whether it's love that you experience through, through friendships that you have in your life or love that you experience through family members in your life or, or love that you experience from community, um, being able to gather around and bring healing or, you know, like, like in whatever manifestation that is, um, that's one of the reasons I like Star Trek because I have a hard time. I mean, I want to believe that that's how things are ultimately going to work out in the world, but wow, the Missouri legislature makes it really hard to believe that. And, and wow, <laughs> there are some really terrible people in positions of power that really have cruelty as their goal. And so it really feels hard to believe that sometimes, but Star Trek helps me believe that it still can be, you know, and that, and that's one mm -hmm. of the reasons I, I like it. And I, and I go to it time and time again. I, I agree with what you're saying that there's there's something compelling about belief on the screen that show that you know when you know when we can't find tenacity resilience and grit in our own lives we can see a model of that being shown like seven of nine speech to the cook right mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think where I chafe against it sometimes is kind of where the the emotion and the feelings become an actual force in mm, the world yeah. 
Uh, and we had a tiny like if bit we just clap and Tinkerbell comes back to life because we clapped, like that kind of thing. <laughs> or you know, you scream because you lost your mother, and that causes a. That galactic... was not. I did not appreciate that in Discovery. I will yeah. confess. Um, but we and we get a tiny bit of that in season three in the final episode where Deanna knows exactly where her mm-hmm. husband is. But that was, it was, it was pointed and tastefully done that where i was like okay i'm willing to let and, you have and, that and a, a fabulous uh uh movie nemesis uh uh we we learned that she has that power where she she can use her her uh uh em, or her empath abilities to locate people so she's a gps yeah yeah, yeah. isn't it also power. isn't there that episode of tng where they're like are underground or something and deanna knows where they are i feel like that there's an episode of tng where we see the scene where she's underground and feels pain I feel it's the first hey. episode, in fact. I know, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Counterpoint. <laughs> so, yeah. So, so I think that's. But you're right. I think it, it is. It is good to see character um, relationships and, and emotion on screen that maybe we can aspire to in mm-hmm. our own lives. Um, one other question, Rudy. We've talked a little bit about competence. Can we talk about competence and how your feelings are now that we've finished season three? Uh, could you elaborate a little bit more in terms of start your Starfleet officers being competent on screen versus being doofuses? <laughs> That's a tough one, right? Um, you you want to make, and I've wrestled with this myself as well. After things have said here, um, Starfleet military, there's a certain level of competence that's threshold level of competence that's needed, especially when you get to bridge crew. Right. Um, but then the connect is we all aspire to be those people and we are normal people. It's not just a bunch of people at West Point watching Star Trek. Right. Hmm. Um, so where is that? Where is that middle ground? And it's hard. To, it's hard to identify it. Right. Um, and, and one other thing I, you know, uh, I should realize is that kind of association with you know, excellence and performance and focus under pressure and all of that means different things to different people at different times um, when they're watching stuff. So um, I'll I'll take the example of, I think Shaw was more competent than anybody. Uh, He was more competent, I personally feel, than than Seven of Nine throughout this entire season. Um, but at the same time, you didn't get an emotional side to him as much um, other than, you know, Wolf 359 and his issues with that. Mm. Uh, it's an ongoing fine line to walk, making things relatable and uh, inspirational for all of us. And at the same time, like showing that focus, duty, honor, excellence um, come through as well. And I don't think we had that differentiation like 20 years ago. 10, 15, 20 years ago when, when we, you know, saw Picard just like execute and cut through stuff. And it's 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 not that simple anymore. And, and we're closer to reality now. I think that's well said. One last question and we'll, we'll all sign off. Um, so Star Trek right now is a whole lot of nostalgia. There's a lot of legacy characters. There's a lot of stuff that's like, hey, remember that thing that you used to really love? Here it is again. And I think this is a risk for any franchise because you're you're not creating enough original space. And I think this is one area that I cannot really blame Discovery. I think Discovery did this mm-hmm. the best out of everything that has happened 
uh, even though it started out as just another nostalgia trip with, hey, that's Spock's sister. Uh, they've, they've really tried, especially in later seasons, to give us something new. Mm. And so I wanted to ask you, what do you Nash want said something fans? nice about Discovery. We need to mark this down. <laughs> anyway, okay, go ahead. <laughs> I feel like it's almost part of the character I play on this podcast right. that I have to hate on Discovery in some right, ways. Right. But I really, I, I defend it a mm-hmm. lot online. Yeah. I'll, be, I'll be honest to all of you. Like, I, I really chafe a lot when people, when people are like, Discovery did nothing good ever. Right. Um, let, me, let me ask this question. So as Star Trek fans, and all of us have been Star Trek fans for a long freaking time, do we just want nostalgia rides continuing? Do we want more original shows? Where do we feel the balance is right now to where we're going with Section 31 and Starfleet Academy? Like, how are y'all feeling about your your feelings that this season gave you everything you wanted, but in some ways it's exactly what's wrong with Star Trek right now, that it's just a nostalgia <laughs> retread. I'll, I'll go very quickly. You don't, That's what all of entertainment is right now. Go ahead. We, we don't want to necessarily connect with characters because characters are finite and then they're human and then they're fallible and then we have to go through like a whole spectrum of uh, their uh, you know deficiencies and all of that, including Picard. I think it's the ideals that carry through, right? So I will go back to I will go back to I will go back to Discovery and I will go back to non-commissioned officer Aditya Sahel, right? Right? That's the kind of stuff that needs to go through, right? A dude waiting at a listening post for mm. um, years, mm-hmm. right? Like that part. I mean, I, I guess I'm biased. I'm, I'm of Indian descent. Uh, like uh, that was the best part. It was part beautiful. For me. It that was, was beautiful. Best part, yeah. it was the best part for me in all our discovery, right? Mm-hmm. And then they did, and, just dropped it. I mean, yeah. There's budget. <laughs> there's budget. There's people. You know. There's rights um, and all of that. I don't know what happened there, but. Take that, do it again and again, and make it more relevant to uh, mm-hmm. present times, right? Give people hope. So when, when Emily talks about love and all of that, right? Talk about hope, talk about empathy, talk mm-hmm. about reconciliation, because those are all parts of like different ways love can be established, right? Um, so don't don't fixate on characters, fixate on ideals. Right. But there's tons of those in Trek. Well, and and we don't. I don't need nostalgia if you are giving me Trek that is showing us the best version of ourselves, yep. you know, like, and if that's the point of Star Trek and showing us how in the most dire of situations we can like, how, show me how, because you know what? I am not the best version of myself a lot, um, but we can be aspirational. And I like mm-hmm. that Star Trek is aspirational. Um, so do it with section 31, do it with a series based on just Star Trek medicine, do it with you know, exploration, like a colonist somewhere on some random planet gives gives you a little bit of Star Wars, yeah. Wars kind of well, vibe, and, but yeah. And, and, and I, I think the, the thing is like, I, there's probably always going to be some component of nostalgia in there because like, yeah, we, we want to, we want the ship to have nacelles. We want it to have sort of a saucer section uh, to it and whatnot. Or like if we have, uh, like, I, I think one that is doing it well because it's, I think it's lean, it definitely has nostalgia through throughout it uh, with um, hologram Janeway or whatever. But Prodigy is striking out in new mm-hmm. territory. Not it does not feel like it's just retreading at, at everything. And but there is a component to nostalgia there. Mm-hmm. But it, but it like it, I think it is going at those like showing the best versions of ourselves, having our characters like uh, kind of like grapple with 
why does the Federation have these kinds of ideals and, and whatnot? And so I, it, it gives me hope that there are these storylines out there where we can explore things with new crews, uh, and whatnot. And like, yeah, we can, we can have everyone's, uh, uh, favorite, like random character, uh, show up and like help shepherd them along or whatnot. Uh, and I, th- I think that's okay. Um, and is maybe a, a a better balance to strike than uh, necessarily like the show is only good if it's if the ship is called the Enterprise, uh, and if it's seven out of eight characters are uh, from a previous series type stuff. So I'll just bring it back together with one thing, Emily. I think you're hundred percent right. This is every show everywhere right now. Star Trek suffers. Star Wars suffers from this in ways that oh, Star yeah. Trek can only dream of. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, you know, with the 7 million Marvel movies, Top Gun Maverick, like literally everything right now is a nostalgia ride of, hey, remember that thing you liked? It's back. Uh, and there's precious little original mm. and even more precious little original good mm-hmm. out there in some ways that we... Uh, I hope I hope Star Trek can find more of it, but in some ways maybe we have to accept that this is the trend and if it's compelling television at the end of the day, just like Picard season three, we're going to like it. If it's not, we're going to set it aside. And uh, so so maybe that's the coda here. Mm-hmm. With that, let's, do, let's give this season a rating. Who wants to stick their neck out and give this a rating? Uh, not those of you who are fully expected. Let's go with Rudy because I truly don't know what he's about to say. <laughs> I'm just gonna pick a number um, out of ten and just like randomly. No, I'm 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 kidding. Um, it is potentially the last time we see this cast together. Last time we see Picard, Patrick Stewart playing Picard. Don't know. Um, so I cannot go below an eight. It's just pure power of nostalgia, Enterprise D, and uh, more Beverly Crusher. Um, <laughs> I would have liked her minus Jack Crusher. Uh, you know. Uh, burdens but i will give it an eight um eight enterprise d's out of (laughs) ten um i'll go next i think this season in by itself uh if i had to just give it a rating on its own i would give it like an eight or a nine something like that is very good but because of the fact that they had to take the baggage from season one and two and make sense out of it and give us a a good ending to something that had been so chaotic up to this point, it's a ten. Yeah, I I I think I think it really works because I think it was it was it was a task that seemed almost impossible to be honest with you. Like mm-hmm. I really couldn't have told you my expectations for this season ending so well. I, I couldn't have ever expected it at the beginning of season three. I was like, wow, I, I just want to see how this beautiful train wreck ends. <laughs> <laughs> and instead, they've, they've really given us something truly special. So whereas I would give it an eight or a nine, otherwise, I'm going to move to a 10 just because of that. I have to go with a five out of five. This had some of the most phenomenal performances I've seen. And, and not just... Not and not just solo performances because Sonequa Martin Green is fantastic. Yes. She is phenomenal. But what we saw in Picard were were scenes at that level happening from multiple people yeah. in one yes. scene, and it was just so, it was just incredible. 
Um, and I loved the story and I found it moving and emotional and beautiful and nostalgic and also did the good Star Trek things that I'm looking to do minus mm. the Starfleet and Federation's treatment of changelings. I'm troubled by that. But if we remove that part from the story, mm. I felt like it had that aspirational aspect as well. And so, yeah, yeah. five out of five. Yeah. It, it, the it just touching into the, the performance aspect of it, like I, I rewatched most of the season again this week uh, in anticipation of us talking about it today. And that scene between Picard and Beverly where they're just like hashing out like what happened 20 years ago is absolutely incredible. And it's, and it's one where even like knowing how everything turns out at the end of the, uh, of the season and the series, I guess it like, it, it is every single time I, I see that scene is just, there are more and more layers to it and it just, mm -hmm. it's fabulous. Um, so I yeah I I, I can't, could not in good conscience give this thing anything less than a ten I think uh, this and, and and especially with with Dacha's point of like <laughs> with given what they were starting with like how how is that possible like I I remember seeing the the first teaser trailer that we had where it's just like. <laughs> clear that they were just going to be dumping everything uh possible into like we're going to give you every single villain we've ever had we're going to throw in all of your favorite characters we're going to have some badass ships we're going to blow up some things please in like space. us again we're, we're, we're even going to bring i can't believe it's not shins on and you're going to love it and i did <laughs> uh i'll just end on a note since you mentioned shins on i watched a nemesis teaser trailer after probably 20 years a couple of days ago and this is something that i used to have a little quick time movie on my computer that i used to play over and over and over again and read the dialogue back as a as a young teenager uh man that movie was supposed to be really good <laughs> that teaser trailer is really great yeah uh, i i highly recommend going back and watching it and then forgetting that the movie exists because you'd be like wow i want to watch this film looks really good yeah, i remember they had like a little cd that came with or was that did it come with when you watched the the film i i had a cd that was shaped like the scimitar or something oh yeah and it, it was like it, it was even like cut weird so it would like make uh distressing noises when you put it into your computer uh but yeah like it would like show you different angles of the scimitar and whatever and it's like this is badass i love this um but yeah we need a director's cut of Nemesis or something like some like AI ADR <laughs> recreation of that movie that makes it good. <laughs> Redo. Do a Jonathan I mean, Frakes they, they, cut or something. They, they do have um, uh, deleted scenes in there that I think would have made the movie better. Like they, they have several like there's like a long philosophy discussion with Data about like the meaning of life and, and shit like that. And it's like, why'd you cut that? <laughs> give us yeah. give well, us let's five make it like Blade, of Blade Argo. Runner. Give us five minutes more of data talking about stuff. Yeah. Also, let's get rid of the mind rape, please. Oh my right. gosh, seriously. With that, let us say end here. Um, thank you, Rudy. Thank you, Emily. Thank you, Adam, for your time today. Recapping thank this you, season Notch. of Picard with me. Thank you, Notch. Uh, Thanks, it, Notch. Loved it. It's been beautiful uh, processing this nostalgia ride with all of you. 
Thank you, Bill, wherever you are. Uh, I bet you have a ton of stuff to say about the nostalgia that we got, especially in the final episode, but I'm sure you're having a great time wherever you are. Um, thank you, Justin Guha, for recording our theme music. We always appreciate hearing you strum away at the Klingon theme, and I bet our listeners do as well. Thank you, dear listener, for making time for us and our opinions in your life each week. And special thanks this week to poker for existing as a game that can be the thing that we find very special about our favorite characters. Uh, and for a way that many people destroy their lives in Las Vegas every day. <laughs> Sorry. That, that, that's, that's Star Trek showing like its aspirational nature is like, if it were about Gabbling the best can of us. be good too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. See you maybe next week. Maybe we'll take a break. Let's see. Let's let's talk amongst ourselves and figure out when we're going to see you again, dear listener. Uh, talk later. Bye. 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 Bye.